0: from the heart of our nation's capital. Here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello everyone and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up is a new left-leaning coalition government coming together in Israel. Yair Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett announced an 11th hour deal last night that could be the end of Benjamin Netanyahu's historic 12-year run as Prime Minister. We'll get more from CBN's Middle East correspondent and Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell, who will come live from Jerusalem. And uh, and unable to convince Americans with their often conflicting words and actions, the Biden administration is trying something else to persuade Americans to get the COVID-19 shots. The president announcing a month of action in trying to get Americans to take the COVID shot. He also announced that he has signed Vice President Harris to lead a, quote, we can do this vaccination tour. I'm assuming he hopes it'll be more successful than her efforts in solving the border crisis, to which he assigned her as well. We'll talk about it with Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson a little later in the program. And did U.S. funding go to the Wuhan lab in China for the purpose of creating biological agents like COVID-19? We'll talk with agent expert Gordon Chang here on Washington Watch. The NCAA is taking heat from leftists for not following through on the boycotts of states that are taking common-sense steps like prohibiting biological males from participating in women's sports. Why the backpedaling from the NCAA? Well, in reality, there would be few places they could play since so many states are passing these um, common-sense pieces of pieces of legislation. The Louisiana Legislature is one of the latest states to pass a girls sports bill, but the governor, a Democrat, has threatened to veto the measure. We'll talk with the bill's author, State Senator Beth Mizell, later here on Washington Watch. And last night, our Prevote Vote Stand uh, weekly program was focused on critical race theory. I certainly encourage you to check it out. It was very, very informative. Uh, you can find out more at TonyPerkins.com or Prevotestand.org. But one of the messages from last night was for parents to get involved and to take action. Well, one parent in Nevada, along with her son, they're taking action. They're suing the school district, first suit of its kind, over critical race theory. Gabrielle Clark, head of the Nevada Chapter of No Left Turn in Education, joins us later to tell their story. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right, late Wednesday night in Israel, a coalition of different parties from across the political spectrum, including for the first time in Israel's history, an Arab Islamist party was formed with the aim of unseating Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. In response, the Prime Minister on Thursday via Twitter called upon all legislators on the right to oppose what he labeled as a dangerous left-wing government. With me now to give us the latest on what is happening in Israel is Chris Mitchell, the Middle East Bureau Chief for the Christian Broadcasting Network. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you. So, Chris, what's the latest there? I know it's late, uh, late in the night there in Israel. What's happening?
2: Well, the latest, uh, Tony, right now is uh, probably have about a a week, maybe 10 days uh, before the new coalition government that was formed last night gets ratified or gets a vote of confidence from the Knesset. Until then, uh, really, the, the government has not been formed. It needs that vote. And right now, it seems like there will be an attempt by the Likud and Bibi Netanyahu to try to just maybe get one, even two, members of this new coalition uh... to defect and not vote for the government uh... right now they only have sixty one seats that's what's that's the minimum necessary to form a government if one or two of those members will not vote for the government uh... that means uh... that government won't be formed and israelis could actually be going uh... to the fifth election in just over two years
1: it, it has been so narrowly uh... divided there where you've these uh, coalition governments have had one or two seats uh, that make the difference, and so one move can cause the coalition to uh, to fall apart. Naftali Bennett, a uh, really kind of a protege of Netany- uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, mm-hmm. um, th- that's got to create some friction there in Israel.
2: A lot of friction, and, and you could say it's the Israeli version of Game of Thrones, uh, 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 Tony. You know, a lot of people have uh, disagreed ideologically, and uh, but also personally. As you say, Naftali Bennett was a protege of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and they have really had a personal falling out. And really what you've seen over here, uh, Tony, is the fact that uh, really all these parties are getting together. They have widely different views on ideology. The one thing that's holding them together is they want Benjamin Netanyahu to be ousted as the prime minister. And so Right now, even if they do get the government, many people don't think that uh, this government will last. Uh, Some have said that uh, Israelis will go to elections uh, before Americans go to elections in 2022 in the midterms. Uh, What you have is you have parties from the far left, from the far right, and you have, as you mentioned, this uh, Arab Islamist party. And if any one of those disagrees with, say, uh... major issues like what's going to happen with the biblical heartland of uh, of israel judea and samaria uh... this government could fall it may not last very long if it gets ratified by the knesset in about a week
1: now chris mitchell if i'm counting correctly this coalition government is made up of uh... eight different parties uh... very mm-hmm. diverse from uh, the right to the left uh, other than benjamin netanyahu being uh, a common target for them what will hold them together so that they
2: can work together and actually govern Israel? Uh, that's the big question right now, Tony. Can they can they hold together? Uh, we talked earlier today to the uh, former uh, U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, and he said he's waiting to find out really how they're going to be able to govern. Uh, major issues, as I mentioned, Judea and Samaria, uh, the Merits Party, which is far left, is, is just an example. Uh, they would prefer probably a two-state solution, giving some of back of this uh, biblical heartland uh, to the Palestinian Authority. That's something that's anathema to say Yamina and Naftali Bennett or New Hope and Gidon Saar. So there are so many issues, uh, including uh, gay rights, including uh, the judiciary, that that this government could fall. And uh, so that's the ideological glue holding it together is uh, ousting Benjamin Netanyahu, and uh, there's not much more than that, putting them all together.
1: Now, I want to go into those issues uh, for just a moment, because some of these parties on the left are pushing for what are described more secular rights, pushing back against the orthodox. Uh, what are mm-hmm. some of those uh, those secular rights that they're seeking to expand there in Israel?
2: Well, one thing would be uh, the observance of the uh, Sabbath. Uh, you know, the religious parties want... Uh, all of Israel to observe the Sabbath, to have uh, <clears throat> no public transportation. Uh, there would be, uh, you know, uh, no businesses open on those, uh, those on, on the Sabbath. And uh, and yet some of the secular Israelis are pushing to expand those uh, those rights. So that would be one main thing for, uh, for the religious parties. The other thing is, uh, you know, many religious or the ultra-Orthodox don't serve in the military, uh, that's been a source of contention for many years here, and uh, some of the secular Israelis would push more for the ultra-Orthodox to fer- serve in the, uh, in the IDF in some form. So these are all contentious issues and, uh, and all meaning that, uh, that whether or not this coalition uh, government can succeed. Uh, Chris Mitchell, are there some parallels to what has taken place in America?
1: I mean, I've met with Prime Minister Netanyahu on a number of occasions, a strong leader. Uh, I think Israel needs a strong leader, uh, but obviously in that process you, uh, you, you put off some people. Uh, he's kind of like, uh, in many ways, Donald Trump that attracts a lot of opposition, and, and a lot of people were opposed to Donald Trump, especially in the media and the establishment. Is it a similar situation there in
2: Israel? I would think so, Tony. In fact, uh, the media has attacked, uh, the Israeli media, that is, has attacked Benjamin Netanyahu for many years much like uh, the media in the U.S. attacked uh, former President uh, Trump. The same thing with uh, part of the institutions, at least the contention of some people that support Benjamin Netanyahu is uh, believe that the police and the judiciary have really come against him. Right now he's facing three indictments for bribery, breach of trust, and fraud. Uh, those go- those trials have actually started, and, uh, and many people that support Netanyahu, he calls it himself a witch hunt, uh, that uh, So, this is very similar to what uh, Benjamin, uh, former President Donald Trump has gone through, exactly what uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is experiencing right now.
1: Do, do you think, Chris Mitchell, what happened here in the United States with uh, this sh- lurch to the left with our government had an influence on Israel?
2: Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, uh, I, think, I think it did, uh, uh, Tony, and I think the, uh, that's probably why you have some of these parties uh, getting together. That then uh, and, and Yair Lapid has really been heading this uh, this drive to get a coalition. He was the one that was had the second mandate. Netanyahu had the first. He was unable after twenty eight days to form a, a coalition. He narrowly missed that just by a few votes. And what Yair Lapid right now is is banking on is uh, as we had talked earlier this Arab Islamist party called Ra'am. Their four seats are really critical to be able to form this coalition. Without that. Uh, this government wouldn't wouldn't have been formed.
1: And, and uh, I understand that uh, part of the negotiations with them, they may have a deputy uh, uh, slot in the prime minister's office.
2: Yeah, I think it would be a, a deputy uh, interior minister. And I also, they want uh, uh, more infrastructure for the Arab uh, parties, the Arab section here of Israel, which a lot of people do agree with. One thing they want is well down uh, south in the Negev. There's been a lot of illegal uh, building by the Bedouin community down there. They want that legalized. So these are just some of the uh, demands that he made uh, while they uh, signed late last night. And, uh, Tony, it was the last day of uh, Lapid's mandate, and really he got it within, like, about a half an hour to be able to get all these eight parties to sign, uh, which is a really a sign of their negotiations were very, very difficult, and it's really just maybe a sign of how difficult it will be for this uh, coalition government if it gets ratified by the Knesset to be able to govern. Um, And and one other thing, uh, Tony, you know, a lot of people are concerned by the political weakness going on right now and the instability. Uh, Israel is surrounded by enemies, Hamas to the south, Hezbollah to the north, the Iran's nuclear program, very concerned about the internal weakness. Uh, given all the threats that Israel's facing right now.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that question, if, uh, if this is in fact a, a moment of vulnerability for Israel, uh, because they've had stability for over a decade now with uh, Netanyahu
2: at the helm. Very much so, and, and even people that uh, do not like or dislike uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, agree that he's probably Israel's strongest leader on the world stage. And uh, he's been able to face off uh, Iran for years and face off internal pressure as well as these external threats. And the question is whether or not a man like Neftali Bennett, he has been education minister, defense minister, but does he have the sort of the gravitas to be uh, holding off and and representing Israel on the world stage, given that there are so many threats and pressures uh, here in the region?
1: Certainly interesting times. Uh, Chris Mitchell, always great to talk with you. Thanks for staying up late and uh, joining us from Jerusalem.
2: Great to be with you, Tony. Chris Mitchell, who
1: is the Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN, a great source of information uh, for you. So check out the website, TonyPerkins.com, and you can follow links over to uh, Chris's uh, daily reports that he provides there from the Middle East. All right, coming up next, uh, the President says you get a shot. get a shot for COVID, and he'll see you get a shot of beer really also putting the vice president in charge of the we can get it done campaign um getting all americans vaccinated or get them the shots for the COVID. we're going to be talking with uh, congressman warren davidson who says part of the problem is fauci and his mixed messages we'll talk about it next don't go away
3: In our culture today, some believe that one's sex is assigned at birth. This belief is anti-science. Sex is always objective and observable at birth. In recent days, there has been a push against the scientific understanding of human anatomy, and it is harming the lives of the next generation. The staggering growth of transgenderism has left children vulnerable to life-altering procedures, such as puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and irreversible surgeries. These procedures should not be allowed to interrupt the development of children and irreversibly alter their bodies. Family Research Council actively recommends and supports the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, also known as the SAFE Act. This legislation would protect the vulnerable from experimental procedures that cause physiological trauma to minors dealing with gender dysphoria. To learn more about the SAFE Act and why you should support it, Visit frc.org slash safe act.
4: Are you teaching your children a good work ethic? Your job might be hard and you may have difficult people to deal with every day, but the Bible says you should be honorable in your work listen to second chronicles chapter
5: 34 verse 12 and the men did their work faithfully god blesses the person who is faithful to the task and has a heart of gratitude the old saying idle hands are the devil's workshop is proven true by working hard and being grateful for your job you are living an example of faithfulness for your family you know even small
4: children can learn the benefits of work give your children chores to do thank them for jobs well done Ask them to tell you why work is important to your family.
5: Remember, one way to please God is to be a faithful worker who is helpful and grateful.
0: Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at HopeForTheHome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into and that's Medishare. Maybe you've heard switching to Medishare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch too. The customer satisfaction rate for Medishare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double. Medishare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than 3 billion dollars of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833 bible
1: Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Uh, earlier this week, the Washington Post reported that it had obtained 866 pages of emails sent to and from Dr. Anthony Fauci during the early days of the coronavirus virus pandemic as a part of the Freedom of Information Act request. And according to reports that have come out so far, some of the messages in early 2020 warned that the virus had been engineered, that it was not, uh, did not evolve normally or naturally. Uh, This points back to the Wuhan lab in China. Now, what else was uncovered in this trove of uh, email? Well, joining me now to talk about this and more is Congressman Warren Davidson, who represents the 8th District of Ohio Congressman welcome back to the program uh, we don't have him just yet <laughs> let me uh, let me go to this uh, before we bring the congressman in, let me go back to yesterday the president uh, also uh, concerned because the conflict between what they've been saying and what they have been doing as it pertains to the what they call vaccine it's not a vaccine it's a shot it's like a flu shot uh it's it's inconsistent for instance i've talked about this before but at this at the president's speech to the joint session of congress every member of congress had been vaccinated or gotten their shot but yet they still wouldn't meet uh only 200 in the chamber for the president's message. Of course, Nancy Pelosi, we've talked about this, still requiring that every member wear a mask. So what's the point? Why get a, why get this shot? You know, you hear all these people getting sick and there's certainly no benefit if you gotta still run around with a muzzle on your face. Well, here's what the president is doing now. This is uh, a part of what he had
6: to say yesterday. NASCAR. NASCAR tracks, they're offering vac- vaccines outside playoff games and at races. Major League Baseball will be offering free tickets to people who get vaccinated at the ballpark. And to top it off, Anheuser-Busch announced that beer is on them on July the 4th. That's right, get a shot and have a beer. Free beer for everyone 21 years or over to celebrate the independence from the virus. So all of these
1: incentives to try and get people to get a vaccine well part of the problem as i said is the conflict between their actions and their words uh we're we're waiting to get connect with uh, congressman davidson because part of the problem is with anthony fauci uh, who initially in 2020 now we know through these emails had been informed that there was a connection with this uh, virus possibly being engineered by humans, intentionally uh, manufactured. And we also, in this trove of email, found out that he initially said that masks were ineffective. And then, of course, later saying masks were mandated. And so they keep moving the goalpost on this. And so Americans are saying, you know, what the heck? Why why do this? Especially when you hear these accounts of people getting sick from the, the shot that they get, why take that risk? Um, look, I'm not anti-shot, not for the shot. Uh, I've had the virus, so I've got the antibodies. I think that's actually one of the best ways because they're longer lasting than the actual shot itself, which, again, is like a flu shot. Uh, they're talking about being vaccinated. I think they're misleading a lot of the people. Uh, but the president yesterday assigning the vice president to uh, a tour. He's going to send her on the road with uh, the uh, – let me, let me get the right – title of this we can do this vaccination tour and he's sending her to the south because the south has the lowest rate of vaccination in the country uh this has long been a concern and we talked about this before where they've been blaming evangelicals that dominate in the south for not getting uh, the uh the the shot that they're pushing well again uh it goes to the fact that we have uh, this These mixed messages that are coming out from Washington D.C. All right, I think we have uh, Congressman Davidson now. Uh, Warren, uh, are you there? I am. Warren, welcome to the program.
4: Uh, Great talking with
1: you, Tony. Well, uh, let's uh, let's start with um, your call for Anthony Fauci to be removed.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we created a bill the you know, uh, Fauci's incompetence requires early dismissal, the FIRED Act. Uh, and look, I, I get it that Speaker Pelosi probably isn't going to give us a vote on that. But the point of it is, it is time for him to be fired. It's probably long past time. But every day there's new revelations that show, frankly, not even just incompetence at this point, but dishonesty i mean he came in and spoke to senator Rand paul before the united states senate made it seem like what do you mean gain of function i know of nothing about this and then he comes out days later and says well you know now we look at emails that say you know he was deceptive about uh you know his knowledge about the uh the origins man-made origins of the virus and the link to the wuhan uh, institute of virology uh he really should not be on the united states payroll did he perjure himself in that committee? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not a lawyer in the strictest definition of the sense perjury, but I can tell you, to me, it seems dishonest. I know at West Point we'd think it was an honor code violation.
1: What was most surprising for you in these uh, 866 pages of emails? I know you haven't gone through all of them, but what was the most surprising?
4: Well, the idea that there were clear uh, references to knowledge about the man made. Um, the origins of the virus. Like, they, they were out there talking about cover stories for the wet market, Frankly, he was defending the World Health Organization, uh, talking about President Trump as if he was, you know, betraying our, uh, you know, duty to public health to fund this organization that has provided cover for China instead of getting to the truth, which is what the World Health Organization should do. And, and, uh, and, and so Fauci's been an apologist for all that you know perhaps for motives i don't know uh i hope there's a good thorough investigation but in the meantime we should get off our payroll
1: yeah i i, I would agree and i would think that that momentum uh, to support that will build uh, as more people look at what uh, mr fauci had to say warren davidson thanks so much for uh joining us
4: great to talk with you always an honor tony thank you
1: and uh, and by the way i spoke to uh some folks in the white house that had been in the the Trump White House and uh, Dr. Fauci had not informed them of some of this information that he had last year all right coming up next we're going to continue to look at this a gain of function what is that why does it matter and was the US funding what was going on in the lab there in China we're going to talk with Gordon Chang Asian expert and author next here on Washington watch don't go away
7: of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American
8: Family Radio. We see oil expectations for demand beginning to pick up. Nobody seems to be blinking an eye at the prices as they continue to rise. It seems like it is just not a concern with what some are considering cash flush consumers. Apparently on Friday morning, Jerome Powell is going to speak on Climate change, Jerome Powell being lured in to the globalist concern to begin to instill, be it gradual, the gradual instilling of fear in reference to climate change is likely to stick far more than knee-jerk reactions. And we are seeing things like Deutsche Bank putting a ban on financing fossil fuel deals. Now out of the 20 largest banks in the world, Deutsche Bank is now in last place as far as fossil fuel financing. So they're not really giving much up. Out of the top five, the big five here in the United States, four of them are the largest financiers of fossil fuel and I suspect that's not going to change a whole lot for our U.S. banks. Well, we'll see what the weekend brings and next week as again, we have a fairly low economic data week next week.
6: Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, last week, President Biden announced that he had asked the U.S. intelligence community to redouble their efforts to collect and analyze information that could bring us closer to a definite conclusion as to the origins of COVID-19. And they are to report back to him uh, within 90 days. Well, my next guest says we don't need... wait 90 days to get a highly politicized report from people who have gotten it wrong on china consistently over the decades joining me now with more is gordon chang author of the coming collapse of china the great u.s china tech war he can be found on twitter at gordon g chang gordon welcome back to the program
6: thank you so much tony
1: all right let's start with this um gain of function I want to go back to the fact that uh, it appears the U.S. was actually funding the operation there in Wuhan that was, as you described, weaponizing this virus. Is that true?
6: It certainly is true. There was an authorization from fiscal 2014 um, from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is Fauci's institute to Echo Health Alliance, which is a New York NGO. And that money was specifically earmarked to be sent on to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for a study of bat coronaviruses. Now, Dr. Fauci in his testimony before the Senate said that it was not used for gain of function, but we do know, uh, first of all, that Dr. Fauci has backed off from that. And also there have been, Tony, research papers done from uh, the Wuhan Institute with that money, and those research papers described experiments that can only be described as gain-of-function. Explain very quickly gain-of-function for our listeners. Gain-of-function is when uh, someone takes a pathogen and makes it either more lethal or more transmissible. In other words, to take a natural pathogen and to make it more dangerous. Now, this is indistinguishable from biological weapons research. And that is prohibited by the Biological Weapons Convention to which both the United States and China are parties. So really what was done in the Wuhan Institute by military researchers, and this we have learned from a number of people, is essentially that they were engaging in military research. And one other factor. In late January of last year, China sent its top biological weapons expert, as she has described, Major General Chen Wei, to head the P4 Biosafety Unit at the Wuhan Institute. And I believe, I don't know, but I believe that she was sent there to prevent uh, evidence of uh, a biological weapons program, as well as to clean up evidence of a lab leak, which is what we are really talking about in connection with COVID-19. So why would you send a military officer to do something which was supposedly civilian research? This really looks very, very bad, Tony.
1: Uh, Gordon, we know from the emails that uh, were obtained under a FOIA request from uh, of doc, Dr. Fauci that he had been alerted to the fact that this was not a, a normal virus, uh, that it had been engineered. Uh, the president saying he's giving the intelligence community another 90 days, I mean, Do do you think that the the administration would actually release the information that would suggest uh, that uh, China had engineered this virus? Are they sitting on this information?
6: I think they are sitting on this information. We know that the Trump administration declassified information on January 15th of this year. That was in the State Department's release. And they obviously have more information because Trump officials have talked about things which have yet to be declassified. So uh, I believe that the U.S. intelligence community now has information that we could use. We don't need, as it mentioned, 90 more days. Um, I mean, the assessment is not important. What's important is the underlying information, because we're Americans and we can figure this out on our own. And really, we need to do this because, unfortunately, we have a president who is not very interested in talking about the origins of the disease. He actually spent two hours on the phone with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in February. And by Biden's own admission, he did not raise COVID-19. This really is wrong.
1: Well, Gordon, if this happened on this occasion, and let's say following kind of the line of reasoning here, let's say there was an accidental release of a virus that had been engineered. What if there was an intentional release of a virus? I mean, should we not know what China is up to?
6: well we certainly should um for there's a number of different issues first of all was this an engineered pathogen was this pathogen if natural was it stored at the wuhan institute of virology but the most important thing of all is something that we know a hundred percent tony we know that in december 2019 and january 2020 chinese leaders took steps that they knew or had to know would lead to the spread of this disease beyond china In other words, this was a deliberate spread of the disease beyond China's borders. We know that Chinese leaders lied about the transmissibility of this disease, and they were pressuring other countries to take arrivals from China without restrictions while they were locking down their own country. When they're locking down their own country, they thought they were stopping the spread of the disease. By leaning on other countries to take Chinese uh, passengers, they knew they were spreading Brilliant. the disease. Yeah. So this was an incident, I believe, of mass murder, because as of today, we have more than 3.5 million people around the world have succumbed to this disease, including 596,000 Americans.
1: Gordon Chang, thanks for staying on this topic and holding our government uh, accountable, uh, for which they, uh, they should be held accountable. Gordon Chang, thanks so much for uh, joining us. And, folks, we'll continue to uh, track this as more information becomes available because when you look at what China, they're the ones ultimately accountable, but this administration very friendly with China, and we must hold our government accountable, our government officials, so they'll hold China accountable. All right, don't go away. The NCAA backpedaling a bit. Why? We'll talk about it next here on Washington Watch.
0: For centuries, the Bible has inspired humanity and shaped the very world we live in. But how do we know this book is the Word of
4: God and not merely the words of men? What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its
0: source. The God Who Speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration
8: and authority through some of the world's most respected biblical scholars. We have essentially a dual authorship. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans. It's equally true to say that God wrote Romans.
9: He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses.
0: The God Who Speaks is a feature length documentary from the American Family Association, Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org.
6: These hymn writers have left us a treasure. That's why I do this on the show. They've left us a treasure trove of things, and they've said things in a way that are so soul-stirring.
0: Peter Rosenberger. We understand that he is sovereign over all
6: of these things, and even the most distressing things that we're dealing with as caregivers, he's still sovereign over this.
0: Find encouragement Saturday morning at 7 central on Hope for the Caregiver on American Family Radio.
4: Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I wanna personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for Worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him.
9: Can I share this hope-filled story with you? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International engaging the world with God's Word for more than 83 years. A million South Africa suffered devastating loss when she witnessed her own father killing her mother before turning the gun on himself. She was then turned over to an aunt who forced her into human trafficking and she was assaulted by a group of men who were never prosecuted for the crime. She lived with bitter unforgiveness for many years until the Bible League volunteer introduced her to Jesus. And fast forward a couple of years, she's been trained to share Christ and has led more than 100 people to Him as they look on at her hope-filled story rooted in the gospel. Hey, there's a great shortage of Bibles available to Christians in Africa, and you can do something about it for $5 a Bible, $100 sins 20. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or you can give at SendBiblesNow.org. That's SendBiblesNow.org. And God bless you for caring.
1: I'm Tony Perkins, and you are listening to Washington Watch. And uh, once again, we're broadcasting uh, live from Southern California from His Channel. Check him out, HisChannel.com. Right, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the NCAA had uh, earlier in the year rattled their sabre, so to speak, a little saber-rattling, threatening to pull out their tournaments and championships from states that dare protect women's sports from biological men. Well, the left is now complaining because the NCAA did not follow through on their threats. Why? Well, because too many states have been passing these common-sense pieces of legislation. In fact, on Tuesday, Louisiana's Fairness in Women's Sports Act was sent to the state's Democratic governor after it passed the uh, Senate last Thursday by a 78-17 bipartisan vote. Louisiana Governor John Bel Edwards has 10 days to take action on the legislation, which, among other provisions, makes athletic, athletic teams or sporting events designated for females, girls, or women only for, open only to students who are biologically female. While the governor has previously called the legislation unnecessary and discriminatory, the bill sponsor, State Senator Beth Mizell, hopes he will see the overwhelming support both in the legislature and in the public and sign the bill. She joins us now outside the, House educa- the Senate Education Committee in the Louisiana Legislature. Senator, welcome to the program.
7: Hi. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, thanks for stepping out to uh, to join us. Uh, this bill passed by two-thirds majorities in both the House and the Senate, so it's, it's really a veto-proof vote uh, if the timing works.
7: Well, if the timing works and if there's not a fear of the governor taking funding from uh, legislators' districts. So it, it's a little bit of a different scenario than voting for the bill. I mean, we had such strong support, I, I would hope the governor would look at um, the representatives to the s- state of Louisiana speaking out loudly for their constituents uh, on both sides of the legislature and, and hear that you know loud and clear and not veto it because it's something people, I believe the last poll was 83% of the citizens of the state support a protection for women's sports. So uh, anyway, I'm hopeful that he'll hear that. And um, the legislators won't be forced into a a veto session where they have to vote uh, with the fear of losing, um, you know, the governor's uh, budget pen. Right.
1: Every state is different. I happen to know the way Louisiana operates a little bit better because I spent uh, almost a decade there in the legislature. And Louisiana has a very strong executive Controls a lot of the budget allocation, and so what Beth is making reference to is that um, if you don't go along with the governor, your district doesn't get any money. And when I was in my govern, my uh, district didn't get a whole lot of money uh, because I voted <laughs> against the governor's taxes and and other things like that. But this is the, the support was overwhelming for this. Has is there any word that the uh, the governor has been lobbying legislators on uh, sustaining a veto?
7: Mm-hmm no I, I haven't heard anything of that I know there's some uh movement to uh, uh, work with you know to work with him as far as some bills that he'd like support with uh to to not veto the women's sports bill so you know there there's some uh movement around uh behind behind the doors trying to uh protect that bill from being vetoed and like you said i heard you say uh before i uh was on the call that um the ncaa i mean where are they going to play ball i mean they they there's too many states standing up for women's sports um to to basically boycott all the states that that have put this into effect so i'm hoping he'll realize that because i think what he wanted to um to use was the economic uh problem and that's and that's apparently not going to exist
1: Right. Uh, I, I read where New Orleans tourism officials have said the legislation could damage the state's economy, sports leagues, business groups, and other uh, conventions would show a willingness to boycott the state. But what we have found, uh, Senator, from other states like North Carolina uh, that, and Georgia, that, uh, you know, if you, if you hold your positions they ultimately realize they cannot defeat you. And uh, North Carolina continues to have one of the strongest economies in the country with more and more people uh, moving in, more businesses moving into the state. So that, uh, that excuse has been used many times, and it's, it's really worn out. Uh, I think people appreciate the stand that you're taking and doing what is right, not what uh, you know the business community that has been consumed with this wokeness is calling for.
7: Well, I think it, it goes back. I'll have discussions with colleagues. I don't know when it became popular to take away opportunity from one person and give it to someone else. I mean, that, that's not the way opportunity is supposed to work. You know, you create your own success story, not by taking it from a generation of women that have worked really hard to get to the level of athletic ability that they've reached. And to pull that away in, 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 in such a way, it, it makes no sense to me. So uh, that, was, that was the um, premise for the bill that we stood by because that was exactly what, in my mind, the bill was about. Women have worked really hard to get to uh, a scholarship level, and to have uh, that taken away by someone who is biologically uh, different and 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 more physically able to outrun a woman—it just—it's—it's not the way things should be working. So I think my colleagues in a bipartisan way, Tony. I mean, we we had it in both houses. A bipartisan support of the bill and I think it was clearly you know standing for women so that's uh, that was the message and I think people understood it that way was not um, there was nothing uh, discriminatory in the way that we approached it
1: Uh, Senator Mizell final question for you Uh, what if anything can uh, folks in Louisiana we got a lot of listeners in Louisiana what can they do to help you out at this point
7: I think let their representatives or senators know so that if we do go into a veto session, um, they they know that they have support back at home to to override that veto. I'm I'm hoping we don't get to that, but in in the case we do, we're going to need some strong resolve to support the legislators taking a hard stand. It's never you know I think what there's been one veto override. Right. I, I, I had never even been told that, so I'm, I'm hoping we don't go there. So uh, it's very difficult. That, I think, yeah, and I think for uh, folks over here to know that their folks back home back them up is is going to mean a lot when they get to situations like that.
1: All right, we'll certainly do it. We'll encourage people to uh, to call their legislators, Senator Mizell, Thanks so much for uh, joining us today, and uh, and thank you for your hard work on this.
7: Well, thank you. Take care, Tony. Come back right. to Louisiana
1: i certainly will senator beth meisel of uh, louisiana the author of the girls' sports bill there in uh, the bayou state all right uh, and by the way if you are in louisiana you can call your state legislator i think uh, i think the number is three four two six nine four five area code two two five if i recall correctly three four two six nine four five if it's wrong i'm sorry uh, doing that by memory, but you can call your state legislator and uh, and, and encourage them to stand with women's sports and uh, and not yield to the pressure from the left or from the the governor. All right, last night in our pray vote stand, uh, and I encourage you, if you didn't see it, to uh, check it out. You can go to Tony or just go to PrayVoteStand.org. org. But we talked about critical race theory and. Lots of good information in that. But one of the things that was a focal point of almost all of our guests was that we needed parents. Parents had to take a stand on this. Well, uh, I want to bring you uh, a parent who is taking a stand along with her son uh, and actually filing a lawsuit against the school district in Nevada uh, for forcing this and actually, uh, well, I'm going to let her tell their story. Gabrielle Clark, she heads the Nevada chapter of No Left Turn in Education. Gabrielle, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us.
5: Thank you so much for having me,
1: Tony. Let me just ask you to tell the story for our listeners. What took place with your son?
5: Well, he was and he was required to list his identity and attached signified identities and um, of of oppressor or or privileged. And that was wrong. I mean, that is a violation of his civil rights and we took action.
1: And I understand that uh, he did not want to participate in this and this affected his uh, his grade uh, because uh, you said, hey, we're not gonna participate in this.
5: Initially, they tried to Um, give him a failing grade for not participating in the class and that would have um, eventually caused him to uh, not graduate. But they have since changed course on that position and they've allowed him to opt out of that class and thereby allowing him to graduate.
1: But But, you've not stopped.
5: this (laughs) This whole situation should never have happened. So we're pressing forward because we want this adjudicated.
1: What are you hearing from across the country, or are you hearing from other parents?
5: At No Left Turn, we hear from parents all over the country, because our situation is not unique. Um, Our situation is happening all over the country, in every school in America. No matter whether you go to a private school, public school, charter school, parochial school, it is happening everywhere. And parents just don't know what their children are being exposed to. And at No Left Turn in Education, we get those cases, and we get those parents, and we find them help.
1: What has been the response uh, from the local school in interacting with the school uh, officials?
5: Well, initially, like I said, they wouldn't give us any relief. And so we had to um, take action. And ever since then, we've been powering through to make sure that this um, that, our, that my son gets justice and that uh, this doesn't happen to any other children.
1: What would you, uh, Gabrielle, what would you recommend or say to other parents? In, number one, what do they need to be looking for and what conversations they need to be having with their children to determine whether or not this is happening in their schools?
5: well unfortunately um this is something that you probably can't get from your children um because these are they're in these these schools are in positions of power and authority and your kids don't know that they're not that they're doing something wrong so it it doesn't seem like it would be wrong to a child so You don't know that this is going on until you get FOIA requests to find out where the curriculum is coming from and what is being taught exactly in the curriculum, unless you look at it. And um, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on this kind of curriculum all over the country in your school districts and in your schools. So you look on the No Left Turn website, and it there's there are um, there are ways to find buzzwords, and there are ways to get FOIA requests to find out exactly what is going on in your school.
1: Uh, Gabrielle, it's uh, amazing to me. You know, I remember the days when a parent would just go down to the school, have a conversation with the teacher. You would just ask, hey, how, how's, how's Junior doing? Uh, what's he studying right now? And the teachers would, uh, you know, willingly have that conversation. The fact that you have to use a legal means... <laughs> Uh, First, just a FOIA, I mean, that's that's actually legal, requesting a Freedom of Information Act request. Having to use that to get the information about what your child is being taught is the first indication that we have a major problem.
5: We do have a major problem because these people are doing this under the cover of darkness, and they're also doing it um, knowing that even if you find out what's going on, and even if you complain that chances are you're not gonna do anything about it because you're afraid. Well, well, you need to stop being afraid. There's There are parents out there who have these kinds of things going on and you need to fight for your children. You need to get in there and make sure that those schools understand you and understand that this is not acceptable and that you will push on them.
1: Gabrielle, do you see uh, in your communications with uh, parents that are concerned do you see parents beginning to collaborate, come together, and you know we're we're stronger together than we are individually? And as you said, fear is a big factor, but there is a strength in numbers. Is that happening?
5: That is happening all over the country, Tony. We at No Left Turn in Education we believe in 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 education not indoctrination and we are pushing that message all over the country and we are receiving all kinds of support we have uh chapters in 20 plus states and um if there isn't a chapter in your state then get in touch with us and we will start a chapter in your state you can go to no left turn and if you do find yourself in a place where you are too afraid you're afraid of being canceled you're afraid of your children being um, retaliated against. Then please support those of us who are fighting, because mm-hmm. we I mean one of the reasons why fighting is so difficult is because they make the expense just enormous. Right. I mean, FOIA requests. I think one of the parents uh, had to spend seven hundred dollars on FOIA requests to get to get the information that she wanted and you have to be so specific then right. you have there's so many barriers that you, have to be crossed
1: You're absolutely so, right. Gabrielle, we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time, but I'm going to encourage people to check out your website and uh, make uh, use of the resources that you have available. Thank you for standing up and uh, as we say courage breeds courage. Thanks for being courageous.
5: Thank you so much for
1: having me. And folks, thank you for joining us as well today. I want to encourage you. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. And do exactly what Gabrielle said. Stop being afraid and stand up. Stand up for your children. Stand up for what you know to be right. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand.